0: Hello, welcome to Love Food, Hate Money, the show where we talk about how much we love food and how much money we're gonna spend on it. I'm gonna be your host, Jonah. This is co-host Courtney. Hey. And what are we drinking today, Courtney?
1: It's white. It's wine.
0: White wine. Good job. You're getting better (laughs) every time.
1: Wait, let me see if I can guess this one.
0: I'll be surprised. Don't think it tastes like anything that I think that you've had before.
1: Uh, no. I have no idea what this is.
0: You should still take a guess. It's one of the major grapes.
1: The problem is I don't know the red grapes from the white grapes, and so I'm just gonna, like, seriously embarrass myself. You
0: know the red grapes from the white grapes.
1: Uh, It's really tasty, though.
0: No guesses. Not even just, like, a a swing in a miss. No, I
1: don't want to embarrass myself.
0: (laughs) I think it's embarrassing that you can't even confidently say what white wine grapes are.
1: The only thing that keeps, I don't know why, the only thing that keeps coming to mind is Sangiovese, and I don't, yeah, exactly. Uh, feels Yui. bad.
0: Also red. Yeah, it's in I know the that, name. I know
1: that Merlot is red.
0: Yeah, can you not think of any, hold on.
1: Hold on, I'm trying to think. Pinot Grigio? That's white. Okay.
0: Um, Jonah Gifford? White wine. That's white. <laughs> also used to make white wine. <laughs> don't ask. <laughs> well, you were right. As I told them,
1: you. I don't That's I don't be knowing the grapes. That's you.
0: Huh. I didn't realize how little you knew about it. Well, I just
1: don't pay attention.
0: Yeah. You ignore me <laughs> when I talk about wine like <laughs> I ignore you when you talk about everything.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh 2019 Chablis Premier Cru from Monte de Tonnerre, which is the blue oh, the vineyard.
1: I know what a Chablis is.
0: What Chablis? It's a wine. Good job. Is it white wine? I hope so. Nice. Uh, the producer is, let's see, uh, Domaine Guy mm-hmm. and Phil Proprietaire Recoltant. That's my best French. Um, Chardonnay is the grape varietal.
1: Oh, Chardonnay.
0: Yeah, Chardonnay. That's a white. Yeah, it's, that's a white. <laughs> that's a white. Um, what do you taste?
1: Um, I, I'm getting like green apple, like really bright, really tart, mm-hmm. but not sour.
0: Yeah, I would say that orchard fruit, um, orchard fruit, citrus. Um, oh, what does one of my mentors say? Pear spice. For some reason, he doesn't associate pears. Just pear. It's like a pear with like a gentle, like sprinkle of warming spice.
1: Interesting.
0: Um, but yeah, it's tasty. Tastes like Chablis, from what I'm told. <laughs> this is from my wine tasting classes, so it's one of those things where they'll supposedly only bring stuff that tastes like what it's supposed to taste like. So good showcase. Um, they, when they were talking about it, they were talking about it, having like organic secondary notes, like mushrooms and forest floor and wet leaves. And what I really struggle to find that stuff in wine. So this one is interesting for me to just kind of keep smelling. Cause I'm trying to figure out what they mean.
1: I don't get any of that funk. Like it's very straightforward and bright.
0: Yeah. I think it's a, like a,
1: Maybe as it opens up and warms up a little bit. It
0: needs to warm up, that's for sure. Our refrigerator is set for too too cold for wine in case anyone was concerned about how we sell our, our product.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you picked a French wine for today because that loosely ties into what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> loosely.
1: Loosely. Well, because we were talking about this earlier. Um
0: it's, it's as apropos as any other bit of colonization.
1: <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Lebanon. Uh, we got to go to Lebanon for, I think it was six days. That sounds right. And it was in 2018, I think. Um, and we went Another over. The s-
0: great cookie bake sale of 2018.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I baked, yeah, what, like over a thousand cookies. Something like that. Raise money for that trip. Um, but we had gone over to Lebanon to work with Syrian refugees and um, provide food,
0: like education, basic shelter,
1: supplies, um, all kinds of stuff. We raised a bunch of money and we went over with a group of really great people, and um, it was really neat, specifically for me because. Uh, My heritage is Lebanese and Syrian because, obviously, the border moves back and forth between those countries um, quite a bit throughout history.
0: War. What is it good for?
1: (laughs) Um, And one of the things I got to do while we were over there was take a bunch of family documents from when um, my mom said the family immigrated to the U.S., And actually got to meet a guy that was like related very distantly to like an aunt. And he was from Syria. And it was very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And having them translate the documents that were in Arabic that obviously nobody now can read over here (laughs) in my family.
0: Oh, I was like, there's definitely people that speak Arabic Uh, in the United States. No,
1: that's, yeah, not Mm -hmm. in my family, though.
0: That's true. They did the assimilation professionally. That was their shtick.
1: Um, So we thought it'd be cool to talk about the food there. Because, at least for me, all of it was very familiar. It was a lot of flavors that I grew up with.
0: It's very Mediterranean across the board. I I think most people would be familiar with it. I think that your family probably had it more. We
1: had a tradition of eating it every holiday. Like, we always had dolmas at every holiday, or stuffed grape leaves. Um, Like, cooking.
0: Kibbe, I feel like, is the one that's, like pretty Lebanese-Syrian that yes. is not a, as common in other facets of the M- Mediterranean cuisine.
1: Right. Well, and it's so funny now because my mom, when she was little, her grandma would make kibbe, but she wouldn't cook it. It would be the raw beef with the pine nuts and all that. My mom remembers eating it as a kid, but now you could not put that within five feet of her. She would not be okay <laughs> with
0: that. It would her a stress.
1: Um, <laughs> Um, So it's just interesting, um, kind of the family history there and getting to experience that. I mean, you had some familiarity with Mediterranean food prior to that trip. And obviously, like, I feel like there's even a little bit of overlap with some of the Egyptian food as well when you were in Egypt.
0: Yeah, I would say Egyptian food was spicier.
1: You love a good spice. You
0: love a good spice. They had this one hot sauce on their kushri that was just nuclear warfare hot it was not <laughs> it was a bold thing to have when you're on vacation and using foreign foreign toilets for me i'm a i'm more of a domestic toilet kind of guy <laughs> i like the one in, at my house and no other toilet no so other
1: toilet will do eating
0: real spicy food out and about is a bold as bold as i go but it was yeah i mean mediterranean food's delicious it is fun to eat um just from, like, a generic, you feel pretty good after eating this scenario. Yeah. Lots of lots of fresh tomato and lettuce.
1: <laughs> yeah. I One of the things that I've read a lot about this, and I have this really cool cookbook um, called The Lebanese Cookbook by Salma Haig. Um, and it really details in there that Lebanese cuisine is very much based in seasonality. And it's very much based in what's available now. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that, Um, of course, from like a sustainability sense, it makes sense. But also just in the sense of like we eat what we grow and that connection to the food is really important.
0: Yeah. Tastes more like a sense of place versus the United States and convenience culture where we're just eating whatever we want.
1: Mm -hmm. And another thing that I really love about Lebanese cuisine is that it's... Very much, like, veggie and grain-focused. And, like, meat is, like, a special occasion food.
0: Yeah. Across the board. I mean, we had meat pretty much every meal.
1: Well, we did, but we were there. They were treating us as guests.
0: Yeah. That's true. I think the funniest thing that happened while we were there was the sandwiches.
1: <laughs> Do you want to tell that story?
0: No, you tell it better.
1: But there's not much to tell. We were packing... um basically food bags to take out and distribute um, in refugee camps. And the leader of the program that we were there working with was like, hey, like, I'm going to order sandwiches for everybody. You know, does anybody have any, like, dietary restrictions, that type of thing? And everyone's like, no, like, whatever you get is good. Um, so probably, like, half an hour later, this dude on a moped shows up with these two. I think they looked like pizza boxes.
0: Yeah, they did look like pizza boxes.
1: They were a little bit taller. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Okay. Opens them up and it's just filled with like shawarma. Yep. And it was one of the best things I've ever eaten. It was so good.
0: They were very tasty.
1: And we, I think we got food from that place twice while we were there. Because we had the ones that were like, I think we had like beef and lamb and chicken the first day. And then the other time they ordered from there it was falafel.
0: Yeah, they, <laughs> it was I liked it because we were like, okay, cool, sandwich time. And then we got the short bars. We were like, that's true.
1: you like better, though. Honestly, better than a sandwich.
0: Yeah. It was just a funny curveball because that's one of those language things where it's like, oh, that is a sandwich, too. We all eat the same. It's just <laughs> slightly different.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: Me and my dumb ass was like, peanut butter and jelly time. Nope.
1: <laughs> you were like, I would like a nice turkey club.
0: Without the toothpicks, please.
1: Yes. Um, One of the things that I really wasn't prepared for, um, because the hotel we stayed at had a breakfast buffet every morning. And I guess we get so used to, like, the continental breakfast of American hotels. Like, the weird...
0: Powdered eggs. Powdered Shredded potatoes.
1: Yeah. Waffle maker.
0: Oh, waffle maker.
1: And they did have a few of those things, because they obviously catered to a lot of foreigners.
0: And the most important thing of all, they had the magical mochaccino machine. <laughs>
1: forgot about the mochaccino
0: machine if anyone wants to know what a mochaccino is so do i i drank a lot of them but i don't know what it meant
1: it was oh. chocolate
0: coffee but i don't know why it wasn't a mocha or well, i think it was just an extra fluffy mocha, yeah it was, was like the a setting a mocha extra cappuccino foam. it was wonderful what a funny little machine
1: Honestly, why do more places not have those weird coffee vending machines? I don't understand.
0: They do. They're just not nearly the novelty that they are when you're going over seas and you're just like, whatever happens happens, and you're like, mochaccino technology. I'm in.
1: <laughs> and the best thing too is you could go down to the lobby like at any time and just have a mochaccino.
0: You're like it's 3 a.m. Mochaccino's is calling. <laughs>
1: Um, but as far as the breakfast buffet goes, like they did have some like hash brown type they, I think they had like a potato hash, they had French fries at every meal.
0: There's a lot of French fries. Um, super
1: appreciate that. That's great.
0: Really, fat, like steak fry, French fries. It was funny to go back down memory lane and look at all of it where I was like, oh yeah, they did have like a lot of weird French fries.
1: Um, but the thing that stood out to me the most was there was like eight different cheeses and then there were, like, a few cured meats and then lots of just, like, fresh raw veg. And
0: can you I say that again?
1: Fresh raw veg. Fresh
0: raw veg. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, which I feel like th- that's very distinctly different than, like, what we're used to eating for breakfast. Like, I feel like Americans have been like, you know what? How much sugar can we pack into this first meal a day? And I love this idea of... The
0: answer is always more.
1: (laughs) I love this idea of just like, no, we're just going to have like some mild cheese, a little bit of meat, lots of veggies, and then we're just going to go about our day. And I feel like I felt probably the healthiest I've felt in a long time.
0: (laughs) You know, they sell vegetables here. You could do that to yourself here. But
1: why would I do that when I can just have a breakfast burrito?
0: Sugar. Breakfast burrito? You don't even eat breakfast burritos. You breakfast make breakfast burritos. burritos and then I eat all of them.
1: That's true. I don't... Breakfast is hard for me, man. I just don't... I don't vibe with breakfast.
0: I think that says something about you as a person. Yeah, I don't know I what know. it says about you it's, as a person, I'm but... It's
1: problematic. It's fine. Um, What was your favorite thing that we ate while we were there?
0: Mm, my least favorite thing was discovering how much mint they use in everything. <laughs> that was... Oh. Unexpected. Mint is probably one of my least favorite herbs overall. Why? I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of it in general. But you know who was? (laughs) The entire country of (laughs) Lebanon. Mm. It was in everything. Even their, like, taboulis and stuff like that were mint-driven and not parsley. So you're just, like, chomping through mint salad with a couple pieces of bulgur wheat. And you're like, oh, that's fresh. That's... (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well and in every
0: meal feeling like you brush your teeth.
1: There was the one night that we all like left the hotel like pretty late. I want to say it was like 8 30, nine o'clock. Um, considering how early our mornings was, that was late at the time. and we all snook off to that mall to get mint lemonade. and you were yeah. just so upset by it.
0: It was very I don't know. I wish I knew why mint was not my favorite. I'll have it. It's it's fine. Probably my most controversial opinion is the, um, the my lack of fondness for it. But yeah, it was funny because it was, I would say that was the my takeaway from their spin on the Mediterranean diet because every country is obviously going to have a unique variation, but like similar plate construction, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, every plate had a flatbread. There was hummus. There was, you know. Fresh, raw, veg. (laughs) um, But yeah, their their spin on it was like, but what about mint?
1: Yeah, and we got to have a which is a salad with lots of like cut up bread in it or cut up pita, depending on who's making it.
0: Yep. Uh, We did have the
1: opportunity. Your dad really wanted to go to a Chinese restaurant while we were there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But the group outvoted him. Um, it was
0: kind of sad because he had had it before, and, and he was like,
1: "It's different." I, th-
0: I, which, yeah, I think it's, I think it's funny for people to experience Chinese American food, yes, our orange chicken and everything like that. So, I'm guessing that the Lebanese version of that was like even a step removed from that, where it was, gen like a, a an imitation of an imitation of an imitation,
1: or not three
0: facsimiles, or maybe been a-
1: closer to. <laughs> Could have been actual Chinese food.
0: Which would have been a funny twist. It would have just been like Sichuan chicken with mint. <laughs> so much There's mint. Like a little
1: regional flair, guys. You're I gonna love this.
0: Cannot overstate it. If I said mint at the end of every sentence, it would be less mint than we had in one meal of that trip.
1: Uh I don't have a problem with that. I think that was great.
0: I know you love mint.
1: Uh we also ate a ton of gelato while we were there.
0: A lot of gelato. D-d-d- yeah, big. <laughs> <laughs> Unprecedented amount.
1: Um, and that was something that really surprised me, too. And there was tons of French pastry shops, which, of course, if you know the history of Lebanon, it was occupied by the French.
0: <laughs> the way you said that was funny, which, of course, as you know, if you know your <laughs> Lebanese history, <laughs> why would you word it like that? Um, Who's doing their Lebanese history I before listening to I think everybody
1: should be doing their Lebanese history. Are you crazy?
0: OK, that's my bad. Which, of course, as you know. I
1: think everybody should be doing their world history studies at all times. We should never stop learning about the world. Sure. Especially when it comes to food.
0: Especially when it's food related. But the French occupation of Lebanon.
1: Yes. It deeply influenced their baking culture. um, Because, of course, flatbreads and stuff like that were very popular. Um, But then, you know, the French were like, ha, 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 look, we have baguettes. And they were like, cool, cool, cool. Baguettes are tight. Um, And they got really into (laughs) French pastries. Like, uh, at dinner every night, there would be these, like, really elaborate cakes that had cream puffs on top and just, like, insane croissants and, like, all kinds of gorgeous pastries. Uh, Like, every time you walk past a row of shops, there was, like, a gorgeous bakery.
0: Yeah, there was lots of like pretty technically complicated baked goods, just like around whether it would be like going through the malls or just even like some of the some of the street shops. I feel like would just have these pretty elaborate, well done pastries. It's funny to look back on them, where I'm like, some <laughs> some of them, I some of these pictures that I'm looking at, I'm like, I vaguely remember that the profiterole cake. I did not remember at all. That's hilarious.
1: Really. That was at
0: our hotel. Yeah, I could tell because of the funny table. <laughs> um, I think the let's see. I mean, yeah, we ate a ton of pastries, dips everywhere. It was a very dippy culture. If anyone has watched Only Murders in the Building, um, the one character that Martin lives... Martin Short's character. Martin Short's character that lives solely off of the Greek dip restaurant. like
1: I get it. You know would what? have thrived
0: in this environment because there was there was dippies... And fresh raw veg
1: <laughs> everywhere. Uh, sometimes I just say things, and then I think, "Wow, I should not say things in a recorded setting." Don't I worry, sound like I'll, an idiot. I'll
0: say them again for you about <laughs> seven to nine times. I'm only two or three deep, so we got five more on the docket, everyone.
1: You said your least favorite thing, but you did not say your most favorite thing that you ate while we were there.
0: (sighs) Most favorite thing that we ate while we were there? I mean, I really like baba ganoush with, like, good pomegranate molasses. So I guess I was roughly alluding to my favorite dippy. Um, (laughs) Very good. I like the super bitter smoked eggplant flavor with pomegranate incorporated because you get that sort of sweet tart element to go against the bitter... Uh, sort of creamy of the baba ghanoush. I was gonna say gushi. <laughs> oh, no, don't Baba, baba gushi. <laughs> um, yeah. I the shawarmas and everything were delicious. I enjoy every version of hummus and baba ghanoush. I think that I've ever had, and they were very good over there. Um, I yeah. There were I had lots of good food. I don't feel like there was anything that stood out where I was like. This is a life changing version of this thing, Um, in like a super positive sense. There was a couple dishes that we had where I was like, "I'm different now." But (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. That's like the grand finale. It was the grand finale of the entire thing. It was my my dad was was,
1: the last thing that we ate while we were there. That's what
0: my dad was talking about. He was like, "This is the thing that they have, and it's gonna be weird."
1: (laughs) Um. I'll have to say, like, my favorite thing that we had, and it was served with breakfast every morning, was the Zotar. Zatar. Um,
0: I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to do that from the moment I woke up this morning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I just love Zatar. Like, it's just so, yeah. like, bright and delicious and earthy and, like, great texture. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's a it's a spice blend. Um Really, really delicious. and then The
0: za'atar is a spice blend. The other word you said is not the spice blend. No, that's the bread. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just needed to clarify.
1: Yeah. So basically, they take the flatbread, and then they crust it in the spices, and then you put cheese in it, and it's a very good day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That was a tasty way to start the mornings. I think that that bread would uh, be a fun thing to have more often here at home. Just in general, just getting flatbreads and then throwing the Mm Zitar, throwing it into the magic box.
1: In the magic box.
0: Getting some dippies. Mmm, dippies.
1: And then one of the things that you found out after our trip was that we drove through a pretty famous wine (laughs) region and you were like, what the heck?
0: (laughs) I was studying. I had already been doing serving at the time. That makes it sound like it was in the war.
1: You've been doing serving.
0: I've been doing serving. <laughs> um, but no, I'd already been serving for a while, but wasn't like super plugged into studying wine or anything yet. I like think it's all, it, it has been and always will be something that I've like paid attention to, but I wasn't doing very detailed studying at the time. So we went to a couple different regions within Lebanon. And uh, one of them, when we were driving through, um, in between... Outs of motion sickness.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, the driving there isn't. And you were prepared for that because you rode in cars in Egypt where the driving is also insane.
0: The driving in Egypt was not as bad because heading through the Baka Valley was such like steep little hairpin turns where you'd be like, all right, we're going up and now we're going down 45 degrees, but also making a 90 degree left hairpin turn. And so you're just like on this. Little bus thing, just getting closer to God, <laughs> vomiting. Getting
1: closer to your group of friends who had to ha- pull over so they could all bark.
0: It was wild. <laughs> I don't even really get that much motion sickness. I've but never it was been a... motion
1: sickness and before in my life until we were driving in Lebanon.
0: Which is not like a detract, like it was still a fun experience. No, absolutely. But like, oof. Um, but yeah, going through the Bacaw Valley, uh, looking <laughs> in between. On one of the times we were out of the car, just like, gathering ourselves looking out and be like oh look like those look like vineyards that's cool um <laughs> i was i had no idea about lebanese wine production at the time but then come to find out that those were more than likely vines from chateau Musar, which is a world-renowned winery that grows bordeaux varietals and a few others but they specialize in like a lebanese bordeaux blend that is world-renowned world-class and we
1: didn't have any. didn't
0: have any while we were there <laughs> and that's one of my Missed opportunities in life.
1: I'd go back to Lebanon.
0: If they airdropped me into the Bacaw Valley, I might go back. But I don't (laughs) know if I could handle another car ride like that. That was, it makes me queasy thinking about it a little bit. Because it was just so disorienting. It didn't help that it was fairly warm inside the car, too. It was so
1: hot in the car. And
0: everyone kind of smelled. So it was just this amalgamation of, like, sauna with a little bit of BO with we a were li- all
1: tired and like jet lagged
0: yeah we were we it were was just a
1: bad combination it guys. was
0: so go to Lebanon
1: 100 <laughs> it's gorgeous like it was a really
0: beautiful country
1: we got to take a day and go up to I keep trying to remember the name of the grotto it's like Jada grotto or something like that
0: the like the cave system yes yeah uh, I can't remember what it was called.
1: I think that's what it's called.
0: Like a major national landmark for them, Hold though. Hold on,
1: I got this.
0: That was a fun uh, experience, though, to go through there. It was- oh,
1: I was right, yeah. Jai Grotto. Grotto. Um, if anyone's been to Carlsbad, like, caverns.
0: Same very energy. Very similar
1: caves. like. And then they also have a waterway that goes through it, and you got to take a boat tour um, through the caverns, which was just, like, probably one of the craziest natural beauties like I've ever seen.
0: It was a lot of fun. It was also a very like cool little grotto, which is nice because it was oh, overall so nice. w- warm in uh, what we visited. So when we were there. We were, just we were like, there in
1: July. Yeah. We go for 4th of July <laughs> whenever we travel. We
0: celebrate the <laughs> we United States independence by being States. independent from <laughs> the United States.
1: Um, And then, the so last night of our, oh, and we got to ride that, Um, it was one of like seven in the world, that cable car. The funny
0: little cable cars that go up the cliffs. Yes. We've been on a couple of them now, which is really funny. We've
1: been on two of them of like the seven in the world.
0: That's what they said. I would have to research that further. Yeah. They, that was cool. The person that was guiding us around, though, was like, this thing is cool. There's not many of them. And we were like. Cool. I We can see why. It's probably one of the like least. <laughs>
1: Not a good needed mode of transportation. transportation
0: models because it was like a little trolley car that just like went up a pretty steep cliff.
1: Yeah, and we also got to do that like sky tram thing, and you didn't like that because Gen- heights-
0: generally not the biggest fan of sky tram things. I will sit on them with my eyes closed typically.
1: It's a missed opportunity. Um, so the last night we were there, we went to a restaurant called Lila, um, and hey that was- there,
0: Lila, what's it like in Lebanon? <laughs>
1: And I have to say, like, mall culture in some other countries that we've been to, insane. (laughs) Guys, these malls, like, our malls look like crap compared to like the malls in Tokyo, even the malls in Lebanon. I was just like, this is like eight stories tall.
0: Yeah, they the dream of the 80s is still alive in other countries because <laughs> anyone that's watched Stranger Things and they're like, oh man, the heyday of malls. Like, nope, that's alive and well other places.
1: And their malls are like better than ours by far. Like, I yeah. remember when the mall by my house growing up was built and it was like this new great thing. It doesn't even hold a candle to some of the malls.
0: <laughs> yeah. Lots of like hyper luxury stores which is funny cuz yeah. that's not like there's luxury stores in in United States malls but
1: not like It's like that. a whole
0: separate echelon of like no you really like shouldn't even be in the building unless you have of a certain income bracket.
1: Um <laughs> uh, but this restaurant was it was like on the roof of one of the malls mm-hmm. and it was gorgeous and they took us there so we could have like one more like super traditional Lebanese meal before we left.
0: One last feast.
1: Um, And I also love the eating culture of just like they keep bringing out big plates of food and everybody just shares. And I wish that more people were open to that. I think during COVID, obviously, it was hard because you weren't (laughs) weren't really open to like eating off your buddy's plate. But when we go out and we have certain friends that like they know that's how we eat, it's like everybody's eating off everyone's plate and it's a sharing thing
0: sometimes off of other people's, like, fork and stuff. The best one was when we were went to a, a Café Guyain. That was a funny experience.
1: <laughs> when she was feeding us. Yeah.
0: She was like, you're doing it wrong, and, like, literally cut up bites and used one pair of chopsticks and, like, pushed it in our mouths, like, from Mulan, and then did it again for the other three people at the table with the same chopsticks, and we were all just sitting there like, oh, this is happening. Cool.
1: <laughs> Make <made> that <laughs>
0: restaurant rest in peace.
1: Man, ripped to the king, um, but yeah, the we didn't order anything. Like food, just kept coming out, and we just got to try so many delicious things. Lots
0: of good dippies.
1: <laughs> so many dips, tabuli. Um, lots of roast meats.
0: Lots of roast meats. Lots yeah, of
1: fresh bread, like they were making lots of fresh bread to order. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the meal was finished with hairy ice cream.
0: Hairy ice cream. Which is a fun experience. Um, it <laughs> it was my dad was talking it up the entire time of the trip where it was like, it's fun, it's weird, we're gonna have it, and so yeah, we tried it. It was it's like, we come to find out later on like what it is exactly, but at the time we were like, what did they do to this cotton candy to make it not melt? Because it basically is consistency wise, just putting. Some sweet wool in your mouth and just kind of gnawed through it. It was, it had this woolly, hairy consistency where, like, if you're one of those people that thinks the idea of chewing hair is great, you would love this (laughs) stuff. (laughs) Pure passion for this.
1: Oh, I'm trying to find the actual name of it.
0: It was dressed like an ice cream, it was dressed over an ice cream, almost like a baked Alaska, but it was just this, like, carpet of spun sugar flour is what we learn come to realize later on
1: yeah exactly so it's basically it reminds me of like straw I know you said that that's not how you experience it but like really thin
0: I just have eaten different pieces of straw we were raised in different (laughs) pastures
1: look I had a rabbit growing up
0: (laughs) and a hunger that couldn't be satisfied
1: (laughs) um and I think the ice cream was like rose and pistachio. So very like traditional flavors and texturally so unique that like we consistently thought about that for the longest time. And if you guys listen to the San Diego episode, um, you'll know that we actually got to eat it again this year, which was crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cali in San Diego um, served it as part of. They're like lemon meringue pie inspired dessert, but it had this like the flower cotton candy situation on top. And it's just it's amazing every single time.
0: It's a really weird experience. And I don't think it's my favorite dessert. No, but it was fun to have it again in San Diego and be like, hello, old friend.
1: Yeah. And especially because it's I had never seen it till we went to Lebanon. Yeah. And I had, did not know that any other place served it.
0: Sure. And then I think on the Cali menu, it was listed as, like, Turkish, right? It is
1: Turkish. Yeah. I, that's one of the really interesting things, too, about kind of food from the Middle East is it's all because of the Ottoman Empire. Like, all those countries have had different borders. Everything's changed. And the food has really passed um, along and shared a bunch. Yeah. And so it's not surprising to see, you know, different influence.
0: Right. It's I'm trying to think I would have liked it better I liked the one we had in Cali more because it kind of just tasted like a lemon tart
1: right
0: the one in Lebanon don't like floral it was very floral It was had
1: rose in it rose water yeah
0: rose water and uh, orange water both uh, used I It's. I'm sensitive to those flavors I'm a big <laughs> old baby when it comes to eating my potpourri.
1: yeah you don't like lavender you don't like do you like chamomile?
0: I'm okay with chamomile. It's softer is than it the other ones. Is it because it's a white flower? And that's it. <laughs> you know me. So is orange blossom, though. That's, so that's, that's my saving true. grace.
1: Uh well, well See, it doesn't work then. some
0: some white flowers are bad too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not,
0: not all white flowers. No stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um,
1: but I would say like overall, like I would 100% go back to Lebanon. Yeah. I would love to go back. I thought the country was beautiful. The people were wonderful. Um, people looked like me, which I thought was just crazy. Yeah,
0: you got held up in a couple of different lines in airports because they thought you were about to do something.
1: Well,
0: they thought you were up to some, something.
1: Well, so when we were in Jordan, because we flew in through Amman to Beirut, um, I got pulled out of line by security because my passport photo is very dark.
0: <laughs> you look like a angry orange woman. <laughs>
1: Um, and maybe I'll post that photo on Instagram because I just it's funny.
0: You look like you escaped Willy Wonka's chocolate factory and then went to wreak havoc in New Jersey. I don't,
1: I don't look that orange, but
0: I feel like uh, my eye makeup picture. was really
1: dark that day. My hair, of course, is really dark. I have the nose that I have. And they were just like, mm, I have really...
0: the nose that I <laughs> I well, am what I said you, I was. You
1: call it my love of nose, and it's funny because while we were there. Lots of women had the very same facial structure. And we met that one girl. I don't know if you remember in the refugee camp. Mm -hmm. Took a selfie with us. Yeah. And she and I were very similar looking.
0: Yeah. You definitely... The middle... The Syrian Lebanese part of your genetics overtook the... It recolonized most of the white (laughs) in your genetics.
1: Um, Which was just a neat experience. It was cool.
0: Yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot. It was... It was minty fresh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anything else you want to say about Lebanon? I mean, I, if you get a chance to go, go. I, I feel like a lot of people are afraid. And obviously right now, like, there's a lot of stuff going on in that part of the world. Um, but I think sometimes that blurs our ideas of just how, like, warm and kind people are. Yeah. Um, we were treated so well. By everyone that we met there, and everyone was so gracious. And
0: yeah, I think that for the most part, uh, this tourism is a big part of any country's economy. So, obviously, if you're going over to any other part of the world and you're staying at a hotel, like their business is to keep getting people to stay at that hotel. So, there's this weird misconception of like you're going to go over and everyone's going to hate you the spoiler alert is that everyone also hates you here at home, so just <laughs> go out. <laughs> uh, go out, have fun, travel.
1: But I think, too, like, because... Responsibly,
0: of... with masks if you're feeling sick. yeah. And if you're feeling sick, don't go out.
1: Don't take your disease other places. The
0: post-pandemic world is an interesting time to really talk about travel at all. Or even, like, our eating habits where it's like, ah, yes, this big communal experience. Having just lived through the, the great quarantine and all that and being mm-hmm. like... That sounds like a fun way to die.
1: Yeah. I think things are getting better. I think it's getting easier and things are going back to that. Bit by bit. But there still needs to be caution. I know that, like, this year we t- we looked at going to Thailand this summer. And they had very strict and, like, reasonable, because lots of people have died from COVID, restrictions. Mm-hmm and you know we looked at that and we go well i mean we met the criteria but it was like i don't want to go spread more disease or be that person or even catch it and then bring it back here like it just didn't make sense so i think
0: yeah i think that there's an overall um a, a reckoning with responsible travel and response like uh, that's something that's not really talked about a lot is, as a traveler like being responsible with resources or even just like I don't feel well. Oh, I have this trip book, so I have to go. No, you probably shouldn't take your disease anywhere.
1: Yeah, they don't let you bring plants back. Why do you think it's okay for you to just bring disease? That's not cool. It's
0: wild. (sighs) And that's...
1: Oh, we didn't talk about Turkish coffee.
0: I know what Turkish coffee is.
1: Oh, my God. But I don't know... They literally made it in the office the first day we were there.
0: Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. They had (laughs) the... That stuff ripped and ripped.
1: That stuff was brutal. I don't like it.
0: I mean, yeah, Turkish coffee was—it's
1: super heavy cardamom. It was card
0: like it was just it was like cardamom, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, coffee." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I do love the little pots that they make it in, and the, how they use the sand to warm it up. Yep. very cool.
0: So it's aesthetically cool. Um, also served with a ton of sugar because it is not palatable. It is. <laughs> I think I had mine just straight up just because I wanted to like grit through it and like feel different. I did. That stuff also I like I don't understand how it's concentrated. It's like it I, I there may just be some psychological like trick with
1: the taste the being as strong and taste as it being is. as like
0: strong and bitter where it's like I feel more power. <laughs> <laughs> That's so well, I forgot about that entirely. It just I was like, came I,
1: to me right now and I was like, oh man, that stuff was crazy.
0: Yep, that was, that was good. I <laughs> I just, yeah, that flavor is jarring. If you ever want to feel different, just <laughs> grab some ground coffee and some ground cardamom and just chew on it. You'll, it's a little
1: more nuanced than that. You'll but... feel more power. <laughs> uh, well, I got to go teach a bunch of 10 to 13 year olds how to make raviolis.
0: Got to go make some dumplings. And I've got to go stir my little pot of sand with some power juice in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to Love, Food, Hate, Money. This podcast is edited by John Watkins of Feathered Fiction Studios. He also does our original music. If you'd like to connect with us, come join us on social media. We're most active on Instagram. We're working on building the TikTok up. And we do have a Patreon, um, which will have launched November 1st. Uh, which is really fun. Um, We've got three tiers right now. If people have questions, comments, concerns, please email us. We would love to uh, continue to grow the community and make it a fun space for you guys to watch our silliness.
0: Yes, emphasis on the silliness. And also make sure to send me your hate mail.
1: Yes, please send Jenna some hate mail. Uh, we've got some merch for sale. We're still working on our eShop, but you can message us on Instagram or you can email us and we would be happy to mail you a shirt. We've got some new stickers. Um, we're working on some koozies. we got a print. We're, we're just getting crazy. We're just making stuff. We have loved this so much and we hope that you're enjoying it too.
0: Yep. Thank you very much, everyone. Bye. 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 I made a mess.